Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. You heard me before the break mention that we were going to be discussing uh, how ties are broken in certain elections here in the state of Utah, uh, specifically in Morgan County. There is uh, uh, there's a Morgan County Council uh, member race, which right now uh, is a dead tie. Uh, in District 3, there are two candidates, Jared Anderson and Cindy Carter, each have received 541 votes. Remarkable, 541 votes uh, for each of those two candidates. And the way Utah statute is written, uh, it requires that, uh, well, I'll read it to you. It says, shall at a public meeting called by the judges and in the presence of the candidates involved, select the nominee by lot cast in whatever manner the judges determine. So when a tie occurs in any primary election for county office, I should have pointed that out. That's, it's a primary election for uh, a county office there in Morgan County. Council District 3, uh, it is uh, uh, the responsibility of the district court judges to, at a public meeting uh, called by those judges and in the presence of the candidates, select the nominee by lot cast in whatever manner the judges determine. Uh, I've been back and forth with Utah courts earlier today, and I asked uh, what will likely be the manner the judges determine. Uh, Many of the headlines describing this event have been uh, making reference to a coin toss. That's certainly a possibility. Uh, But as I've been back and forth with the courts, the highest of likelihoods uh, is that the judges tonight will, uh, that they are planning at least, uh, on drawing a name from a hat. Uh, So I I was going to talk to you more about uh, the history of that and uh, just some of the other instances, both here in Utah and elsewhere, where this type of uh, voting has taken place. In fact, uh, in in Virginia, not that long ago, it was was the casting of lots uh, which determined uh, the makeup of the House, the State House. That's a pretty big deal. Imagine uh, if imagine if Republicans and Democrats here in Utah, if uh, it was much more evenly divided, 50-50, and there was one race which could determine the balance of power, and that race ended in a tie, and ultimately it would be a coin flip to determine uh, the balance of power in the state house. A fascinating thing, and it took place not long ago in Virginia. Uh, another example of coin tosses being used recently in politics: uh, Iowa, you know, the Iowa caucuses. Remember how well they handled <laughs> – I can't even get it out with a straight face. Remember how well uh, <laughs> up in Iowa uh, they handled caucus night? And with that new app, yeah, it was so smooth. Yeah, so smooth, in fact, that many of those uh, decisions that were made last night also uh, were or came about as the result of a coin toss or the casting of lots in some uh, such manner. Yeah, uh, because the app couldn't handle it and the, the race was, was too tight. Anyway – I bring that up because it's taking place tonight here in Utah. Uh, At about 5.30 uh, this evening, the Morgan County Council Chambers will be full of candidates and judges. And those judges will be casting lots. Uh, As I told you, the likelihood is they'll pull a name out of a hat. And that will, in fact, determine uh, the primary candidate for a council uh, seat there in Morgan County. Very interesting uh, little uh, piece of history. 
the reason I've rushed through this uh, and shared this information with you so quickly and didn't spend too much time uh, looking at the history or the statutes, it's because in the commercial break, uh, I, I, something came to my attention. And as I realized what I was looking at, I, I got chills up and down my arms. And in fact, as I, as I pull open the screen where, uh, where I'm looking at this article written in the New York Times right now, uh, it's an opinion piece. Uh, I'm getting chills again. Uh, the author is John Lewis. Yeah, the, the same John Lewis whose funeral took place at the Ebenezer Baptist Church just this morning, where uh, during those funeral proceedings, uh, three living U.S. presidents offered comments and wisdom. And in fact, in the next segment after the 2 o'clock news, I'll share with you uh, much of what uh, was voiced by uh, those presidents. Actually, no, I'm wrong. We're, we're going to push that back. About 2.30, uh, we'll be looking at what was shared at that funeral. But what I want to do right now is I want to share with you in its entirety uh, an opinion piece which was authored by John Lewis. And he delivered this to the New York Times and gave instructions that it to be published on the day of his funeral. He wrote it on July 17th of this year, an essay, and gave to the New York Times the instructions to publish it on the day of his funeral. It has been so published, and I'd like you to hear uh, what, what uh, would be essentially his final message to America, to the world, and set aside, set aside any of your uh, political attitudes right now. Set aside what you might feel for the New York Times. Uh, set aside uh, anything uh, that might color uh, your attitude as you hear uh, these words. Again, this is John Lewis uh, speaking to us now uh, from beyond uh, the grave on the day of his funeral, his instructions that these words be published. Uh, while my time here, these again, the words of John Lewis, while my time here has now come to an end, I want you to know that in the last days and hours of my life, you inspired me. You filled me with hope about the next chapter of the great American story when you used your power to make a difference in our society. Millions of people motivated simply by human compassion laid down the burdens of division. Around the country and the world, you set aside race, class, age, language, and nationality to demand respect for human dignity. That is why I had to visit Black Lives Matter Plaza in Washington. Though I was admitted to the hospital the following day, I just had to see and feel it for myself that, after many years of silent witness, the truth is still marching on. Emmett Till was my George Floyd. He was my Rayshard Brooks, Sandra Bland, Brianna Taylor. He was 14 when he was killed, and I was only 15 years old at the time. I will never, ever forget the moment when it became so clear that he could easily have been me. In those days, fear constrained us like an imaginary prison, and troubling thoughts of potential brutality committed for no understandable reason were the bars. I'll pause here and just remind you, I am reading uh, the words uh, written by John Lewis and published in the New York Times. The instructions given to the New York Times by John Lewis was that for these words, uh, he would like them to be published on the day of his funeral, which is today. The essay continues, Though I was surrounded by two loving parents, plenty of brothers, sisters, and cousins, their love could not protect me from the unholy oppression waiting just outside that family circle. Unchecked, Unrestrained violence and government-sanctioned terror had the power to turn a simple stroll to the store for some Skittles or an innocent morning jog down a lonesome country road into a nightmare. If we are to survive as one unified nation, we must discover what so readily takes roots in our hearts that could rob Mother Emanuel Church of, in South Carolina of her brightest and best, 
shooting unwitting churchgoers in Las Vegas and choked to death the hopes and dreams of a gifted violinist named Elijah McLean. Like so many young people today, I was searching for a way out, or some might say a way in, and then I heard the voice of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. on an old radio. He was talking about the philosophy and discipline of nonviolence. He said we are all complicit when we tolerate injustice. He said it is not enough to say it will get better by and by. He said each of us has a moral obligation to stand up, speak up, and speak out. When you see something that is not right, you must say something. You must do something. Democracy is not a state. It is an act. And each generation must do its part to help build what we called the beloved community, a nature, a nation, and a world society at peace with itself. You must also study and learn the lessons of history because humanity has been involved in this soul-wrenching existential struggle for a very long time. People on every continent have stood in your shoes through decades and centuries before you. The truth does not change, and that is why the answers worked out so long ago can help you find solutions to the challenges of our time. Continue to build union between movements stretching across the globe because we must put away our willingness to profit from the exploitation of others. I have to stop now because time is tight, but there are a few paragraphs remaining, and I would like you to read them. So I will share this, this opinion essay authored by John Lewis, published in the New York Times, uh, right now uh, on the occasion of his funeral. He saw this day coming weeks ago, and he wrote these words, and he instructed the New York Times to publish them on the day of his funeral. In a moment, we're going to take a break, and we're going to turn to some other topics. Uh, but just after 2.30, uh, what we are going to do together, you and I, we are going to turn our attention uh, back to the Ebenezer Baptist Church, where uh, just today, in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, three living U.S. presidents memorialized and eulogized the late John Lewis, civil rights icon. Regardless of your politics and your beliefs, he was a powerful man who brought about much good, and his last words have just now been published in the New York Times. Quick break now. When we come back, we're going to look again at the coronavirus and how it's taking hold in ERs across the country and across this state through the eyes of one ER doctor practicing in Logan and Brigham City. Dr. Marion Bishop is my guest next on KSL.